Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Marcel Lucassen, Technical Director of the UAEFA. Marcel, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. And um, now, let's move forward to see what we can talk about football. Marcel, as I begin with everyone that comes on this podcast, what was your earliest football memory? My earliest football memory was, I believe it was in the year of six, seven. And in that time, you could only start at a club when, when you were nine years old. But uh, obviously, they liked me how I played in that early age and uh, started with football. And my earliest memory of this is that we played 11 v 11 on a normal pitch with the big goals. The only difference was that they hanging in this this bars that the goal was a little bit lower, but the width was there, but not the height. So that was my earliest memory. So we played in that young age, we played 11 v 11. You can imagine what happened then. Eh? <laughs> and, obviously, with and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, coaching has played a huge role in your own footballing career. I mean, where did that begin to come into play? Where did you begin to develop and understand that you had a hunger and a passion for coaching the game of football. Yeah, that was actually very early. I think when I also was a player with uh, maybe 12, 13, 14 years that I was um, in that age, in that age where we lived, you had a lot of parks where we could play football on the street. We played football on the street. We played football in the parks. So you were actually the whole day busy with 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 uh, football, the things what you like. Um, uh, now there are much more possibilities. On in that age, uh, we we were not at home, sitting not at home. So, and doing this this and get the very early understanding of of the game, um, I was helping teammates or friends uh, with with uh, with uh, with their football action. Actually, so unconsciously, I was helping them, and what I could maybe could do better, uh, and. Uh, I was also very inconvenient for my coaches, as I must say, because I was always uh, had the questions what and why, <laughs> and I had to explain this. So yeah, it was very difficult for a lot of coaches to explain things. So you came in general uh, things. So so that was all in that stage that that you that you were with your friends, uh, with your teammates, and um, tried to help them, and they had some difficulties in passing a ball or controlling a ball or this kind of things that you were thinking by yourself, okay, how could I help him? How could I help him to control the ball better? And that was, um, uh, that was, that was actually, it was that a red line in, in all the years that I was a player by myself. And um, even when you get older in the ages, in the 16, 17, 18, and that you also joined in, in professional clubs like, like the VVV Venlo, who played in the Eredivisie, and that you hear a coach, this maybe a nice example. A coach was uh, shouting on a player in a possession game uh, who wanted to control the ball, but the ball was bouncing away from his foot, and by that he lost the ball. Okay, so the coaching was, hey, concentrate. And I thought to myself, concentrate. How can the coach see that? Because <laughs> I know the, I know the guy who lost the ball, and I thought well, maybe he's the most concentrated person on this whole earth. So you, <laughs> but why does he use a word? Eh? Okay. Now, this coach was fired after four months. There came a new coach. And what happened with the same player, 
happened the same. So the same coaching from the other coach that he has to focus more because he wasn't losing the ball when he controlled the ball. And I thought to myself, well, why, uh, why don't I help him? Because it has nothing to do with concentration. That was by me already that I thought, okay, it has nothing to do with concentration because I was looking how he controlled the ball in a certain way. So he was standing wide up. The moment that he was standing wide up and you have to control the ball, he's standing on one leg. So his central gravity was behind him. So he had a lot of signals in his body, uh, like uh, don't fall down. And uh, so a lot of uh, movement in the body, don't fall down. There's an opponent coming. I have to make a decision and all this kind of thing. So I thought by myself, when he is bending his knee more in his standing leg, then the moment that he will touch the ball is in front of his body, uh, is under his body instead of his front in front of his body. So I was said to him, so I said to him, I say, I have an idea how I can help you. That is after the training. Uh, uh, we're going to do this after the training. So I was doing this with him. Let me say maybe three times a week, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, passing the ball, and and uh, he had control. He had to control the ball, and and the speed of passing will be more and more and more. Or actually, kicking the ball because there was no opponent. So then it's kicking the ball yeah, and not passing. So I was kicking the ball to him, and he had to control the ball. And I was correcting him. What is the best body position to control this ball? Now, and there was uh, um, uh, funny, after we, we, three, four weeks, it was in the possession game. And do you think what uh, do you uh, what do you think that the coach mentioned to him when he controlled the ball in 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 in, in, a, in a compact situation and um, had a good solution as well? So his coaching, what he gets at that moment was. Yeah, I see that you are better concentrated. <laughs> yeah, and I was laughing, and he was looking at me, and I was looking at him, and I just, I just did this. So this is all about and what with me started, and when it went to the age of you know, 19, about that age, I think, uh, I had uh, in one and a half years some serious injuries where I thought to myself, okay, I don't want to set my money on uh, the high, playing on the highest level because the risk is too high. Uh, so I have to take up uh, uh, some courses. And then when my father asked me, what are you going to do? Then I said to him, uh, the legendary quote, like, players deserve better coaches and I'm going to do something about that. And um, now then I knew, I wanted to know what do the coaches learn where ahead. Well, not bad people, but from coaching, because of the questions what I all the time had, why and, and this kind of things, I thought to myself, I want to know more about what they learn, what they're learning. And then I realized that that, uh, that there's a lot of things also missing, like biomechanics, uh, psychology, physiology, uh, pedagogy, all these kind of things. So I thought, okay, I want to learn this, not to be a doctor, not be a physiotherapist. I don't want to just to look in the other worlds to see what can I take from the other worlds to transfer it to the football context, because uh, that, that is what you need as a coach, besides the uh, your game inside and managing people and this kind of thing. So, yeah, that was in the early years where I was a really young age, busy unconsciously to players, thinking about football, also asking questions on the tactical way in a team. I think it was captain uh, from the under-15 then we played against Ajax, as an example, and I asked the coach, uh, when they have the ball, one of the centre-backs is uh, uh, moving into midfield. So we, they have an overtall there, four against three. How do we solve it? Now, the answer what I get was uh, working hard. 
yeah, working hard, we're always working hard, you know. <laughs> There's anything with this kind of uh, uh, quotes, this kind of um, non-football contextual uh, interpretations. Yeah. And then in the, in the changing room later on, uh, as, a, as a motivational speech, don't be afraid of them because also they have a father and a mother. Uh, yeah. So teammates were sitting there with under 15. Yeah. And I was sitting there. What the hell is this? <laughs> and so there was all, all these influences was with me that I thought, okay, what, what, um, that you are busy unconsciously. What, what, what do you need as a coach? When you want to be a coach, what would you need? So, um, so good were these experiences because uh, you're also learning from that. Eh? You're learning also that you reflect on yourself, that you're going to say, okay, when, when, I, when I want to do that, that job, what do I need? That uh, so that till there was a moment that I said okay then I have to follow a lot of courses uh, or uh, educational programs to learn more about uh, the holistic approach in in coaching. At that time, Marcel, obviously you were speaking about you were injured, you were seen to get out of the game at nineteen twenty. Did you have any positive role models that fed that hunger and thirst for, and quenched that thirst for knowledge? Or was it much more a case of you taking that soloist jersey journey yourself? Yeah, the last one. So because uh, all the all the things that I did afterwards, um, 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 always looking in a pragmatical way, how would it work the best in the practical in the, on a practical way? And um, uh, let me say, like for example, I was at one moment I was. Uh, uh, um, uh, head coach in amateur football and I was at VV Venlo, I was the conditioning trainer, but football coordination trainer, that's how we called it so I did it on a totally different way than someone who was coming from the athletic world or the sports science world, and the sports science world was actually in that, world, in, in that time not, not really developed or something, so and there were physical coaches but, but all from a different world and not from the football world. So, and I did this on a different way than they did it. Even uh, later on, uh, because I did something in, in, in um, physiology, so like for physiotherapists, also in the rehab training, I did different things than, than that was common. So all the time thinking, okay, where is this player coming from? From football? Which injury? Which steps do we have to follow? Which player is it? Is it, uh, is it the striker? Is it the midfield player? Is it the defender? Which position that he plays? In which uh, 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 situation is common that he uh, uh, that he um, finds himself in the in the game? Which football actions? So, and depending on that, I created rehab programs. But for training teams from under twelve to the first team in, for example, um, uh, let me say speed training, I had a totally different view on that more in the context of the game, also looking to in which position is someone playing and which uh, situation is he coming and what does he need um, for that um, for, for that football action in the position and in the zone where he's playing, but also how can I learn him to do uh, to have a better execution of those actions? Not directly in his decision-making, but more the execution of actions. So... And it was not in, in a book, and you did, and in that time you have uh, video VHS uh, uh, things. 
it was near, you couldn't you couldn't find it anywhere. So when people ask me how did you develop, what is also initially your question, is that I say say always all the different things in football. What I what I did as a football coach, as a, a conditioning coach, as a rehab coach, it was for me still seeing what is happening, thinking about it. How do I going to train and coach this individual player? Or how do I going to train and coach this team? What do I see? What is happening? In which direction do we want to go as a team, for example? What do I see? What happened in the game? And then, okay, zoom out and ask yourself questions. How do I going to train this? And when you have clear how you're going to train it, how do you going to coach it? And so I couldn't read uh, like books or about football. I couldn't look to this video content. I couldn't look later on. You, you see that people now looking at YouTube. I can't. I can't. I have my reference, uh, this objective reference framework. And based on that, I'm looking to games and to individual players within the team and um, and uh, think about it. How go, uh, how do I going to optimize the team or how do I going to optimize the player? So... <laughs> By that, you get also a lot of experiences that you get, of course, eh? beside the knowledge is all that you get through a lot of experience. Also by asking, eh? you can also ask a team, you can ask a player. Eh? You see things that you think, okay, that's interesting. Why did you do that? Eh? And that is more the development what I did in all those years and uh, and applied it in practice. And in practice, you're going to learn more things when you're going to do it. Not copying things course being an original but at the time myself you don't mind me saying you were very much venturing into the unknown um exploring concepts outside football such as biomechanics looking at cross pollinating that with your love for football and, bring, and bringing that into the training process how did you achieve buy-in with coaches players and fellow staff at the time as to this being the yeah. most appropriate way for it because because you don't uh you don't you don't uh, coach but by by giving the training session it's already football they see directly football context and uh, by coaching in objective way yeah I, you don't have to prove yourself because it's at that moment not an opinion of me or someone uh, it's 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 helping an individual player within the team for example there's also an interesting part uh, I had this question last week um, um, with individual coaching within the team context. Yeah, And I did this already on a young age because the, for me, it was very clear that uh, football is a team sport. Yes, uh, you are attacking, transition, defending, and you have some uh, uh, principles of how to do that with each other on team. But for me, it was very clear that every football action is an individual action. There is no team action passing the ball. There's no team action pressing or team action getting free. An individual player makes a decision and then he's going to execute that decision. That is not... Uh, so the the uh, the art of coaching is then to understand yourself as a coach in sense of how do we want to attack, for example. And when I can bring my vision over on the players on team level, and that is very clear for the team, then you get, you get more self-regulating teams that they know for example, how to build how to build up from a goal kick against a certain kind of pressing. But at the end of the day, the win situation for you as a coach is are you be able to coach the individual player within that context? 
because that's that is everything where where you improve a team. Um, and that was something what I did already in a very early uh, age. I believe it was 27, 28, that uh, the head of an article in an interview that was, uh, and there was a little bit of uh, provocation from my side, but the head of the article was, um, uh, football is actually an individual sport, and by coincidence, we do that within a team. <laughs> so, so there was a little bit of provocation to wake up the people, yeah, you can imagine in that time, a lot of years ago, that they thought that they directly get the critics here from, yeah, I don't know what this guy is talking about. He's coming from a different planet, but he doesn't know football. But later on, in practice, when you showed it in practice, what does it mean? Yeah, I don't have to convince people about this. But it was it was sometimes um, a struggle because um, sometimes, and not by players, not by players, more the coaches who had the problem with it in sense of that they have to change their thinking. When you give a coaching course, for example, in those years, uh, years ago, that they have to change, a lot of coaches that they have to change their thinking because they were uh, totally living in the subjective world of football. Well, see, that that's another good point. I mean, it seems to me as though you went through a quite intensive apprenticeship in your early coaching years to get these objective references. Do you think such is available to coaches nowadays? Young coaches, are they going through that arduous apprenticeship? Because with the amount of information as they are exposed in this information age, I mean, it's not its not all the two forthcoming, separating the good from the bad information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing is that it is still going on in football. Eh? The football is, football is still a very conservative world and, and uh, based on a lot of subject, subjectivity. And I think for me, what also was interesting, the discussions what I have already 16 years or 70 years with Raymond Verheyen, uh, where Raymond is also a football brain who wants to follow football. And we, uh, we already, uh, and he called me about 16 years ago. So and since that time, we're discussing a lot. We are not always agree, but we, we're coming to a point where we're developing. And the last, let me say, seven, eight years, this process goes step by step. And that is what was interesting because you're thinking has to be structured. And my thinking has to be structured, uh, is what he said uh, years ago, because I did unconsciously a lot of things, what, what is now written in books in, in, in an objective way, but it had to be structured. And this is what, for young coaches, is necessary to understand understand this. When you ask the question, a very simple question, what I asked the last weeks in several uh, uh, coaching courses, what I, what, I, what I gave, that I started just to ask the question, what is football? Now you get all kinds of answers, but nobody comes with, with that football is attacking, transition, defending, for example. Or a simple question, what are, what are the characteristics of football? And people are really thinking, what characteristics of football? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, it is very simple. Eh? Two teams, uh, a player has uh, a lot of uh, possibilities. Uh, the pitch is a design pitch in a right angle. Uh, this kind of uh, uh, this kind of things, they don't think about the simple things. What, what are the characteristics? Specific rules. You have offside. There's no other spot where you have offside. So specific things. So when you know these simple things, or only these simple things, that means already a lot. When you transfer um, transfer this to the training, and when the game is a starting point, in some age for your training. Uh, football has to be the starting point, 
then you transfer this always to your training sessions. But what do you see in practice? That there are all kinds of uh, sessions and exercises which are not contributing in development football. And, and, and then, then in all those years, you get all kinds of new things what, what people say, uh, invite, uh, invent you know, something new. Uh, for example, Geos training. Uh, what is Geos training then? Football on itself is already a Geos sport. It is on itself already a complex sport. Because the fact that a player has a an, an, an fine number of, of possibilities in making decisions is already Geos. This, so that is something modern. And then suddenly we talk, we, we, we playing with three teams on three goals with four different colors uh, because we have the great chaos. Uh, a football game doesn't have, has only two colors, you know. And uh, there's a direction. That's why there's a rectangle. There's a direction. On one side you're attacking and the other side you're defending. And within that, you attacking, transition, defending. And a lot of uh, football actions, what you have to apply within that context. And there's already for a lot of players, chaos. Yeah? So, and this complexity. And that is mostly because uh, uh, the people who come with those kind of things, they're thinking in the subjective world of, uh, of exercises. Instead, that their start point is not the knowledge about football. That's not the start point. Yeah? Do you understand a little bit what I mean? It does make sense. And to be honest, I think it's indicative of the industry as a whole. Nowadays, you mentioned the word chaos. I mean, not in that context. But if you look at top flight football now, Marcel, really is interesting. The football news cycle has proliferated to a point where it's 24-7. We've seen this year with the World Cup, the congested fixture schedule and whatnot. So you can see how football has become more and more ingrained as part of the entertainment industry. And we're evolving so quickly at the speed of change. Sometimes... Sometimes we ought to just take a minute, step back and reflect on some of the processes and observations that are already in place. Don't think there's enough of that going on in the game, to the best of my knowledge, at least. Now, so you say sometimes you have to reflect. No, uh, you have to reflect after every, every training session and after every game. Actually, a, a coach has to reflect every day. And not to summarize today, but to reflect what did it mean? Uh, what did I do today? And what did it mean for me? And what did it do for my team? Uh, and for the individual player? So that is what the coach has to do every day. And uh, that we went in the right direction. And and yeah, is it the, the question that what I'm seeing? Could I transfer this to the training? Because the thing is, um, uh, when when coaches would know more about the football action theory, it will help them a lot to structure. The, to get the logical structure in their thinking to in order to have more an objective reference framework to start coaching uh, so um, but the most have as I said before they have a subjective starting point and so there's no hierarchy above it but structure the things more related to the sport that you're coaching and um, and that's, that will be already a good starting point I was just thinking about to give an example what I said before, but the characteristics of the game, eh? and what you often see when I ask a coach, okay, you play possession game five against three, okay, and I will ask one of the coach, okay, can you write this down on the flip chart, okay, and then they're starting with a square, as well, and then five against three, and then my question is, okay, and now coach, you're coaching the five, 
and you want to improve passing, controlling the ball, getting free. Those three football actions you want to improve. Okay, how do you go and do that? Yeah, they have to get free in this uh, in this area and say okay. And when those uh, three win the ball, what do they have to do? Yeah, okay. Then start over again, and they are two minutes in the middle. Okay, okay, funny, because I played a lot of games, and there was never a referee who said before the game, "Hey, when you win the ball, you have to give the ball back." <laughs> so there's already a rule that doesn't exist in football, you know. Okay, but there's an exercise. That's one thing. Then, um, uh, so, uh, uh, but a square football pitch is not a square. A football pitch is a right angle. So why do you practice this in a square and not in a right angle? Okay, ah, 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 makes sense. Because, oh, then we have depth. Yeah, yeah, but depth has a reason. Because there is a direction. So when there's five and you want to improve them in um, in passing and controlling the ball and getting free, and they go in a certain direction, where is where does it end? <laughs> because there's nothing where it ends. Ah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to help them. So now, okay, it's outside the pitch, two small-sided goals while passing. Goals at the end, you finish there. So you're starting always here and you finish there. So I know those three. Again, they win the ball. What do they have to do? Give the ball back or do they have something different in the game? Yeah, they do counter-attack. Okay, they need also on that side two, side, uh, two small-sided goals. Now, maybe in this neutral area, you put one defender who is uh, going to the passing lines and when he has the ball, he will directly deliver the ball to midfield, for example. Okay, so in this exercise now, you have now a direction. So the attacking team, what you want to improve passing and the football actions, passing, getting free, controlling the ball. They have a direction that they finish in a passing goal. Those three players who win the ball, they have directly a counter-attack goal. So still your aim is to improve the football actions, passing, getting free, controlling the ball. But counter-attack is inside. But also the behavior from the five players when they lose the ball to win the ball directly back. So you don't coach counter-pressing, you don't coach counter-attack, but it's inside the exercise. So unconsciously, you let them also experience this. And maybe the next week, you do the same exercise because five against three is actually simplifying 11 v 11, but maybe you do the same exercise, only now you're coaching counter-attack. And maybe the week after, you do the same exercise, only now you're coaching counter-pressing. So this is this is using the characteristics of the game. Also, what's very funny is then I ask, okay, let's say that it is very easy for this five. What then? Oh, two touches. Say, so, okay. Also funny. So I play a lot of games. There was never a referee who said today we play with two touches. <laughs> so how can you use something from the game? in order that they learning to make better decisions. You can make it smaller, that you still have depth. Yes, okay, that is possible. We can use another thing. When you're asking, 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 still they don't find, and there's a lot of time that I did this, they find the, they don't find the solution. But the solution is, although you want better passing, getting free controlling, yes, the three football actions, you can choose to coach those three to press better. When they're pressing better the others, they have to make better decisions. Yeah, so there's also a characteristic of the game. So, so that is just as this small example, when you know the game, you know football, and you then zooming out, you're reflecting on your training sessions and everything. That is where you have to challenge yourself to design sessions based on 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 uh, on the football game.
And if we are to do a little bit of reflection, I mean, Marcel, you've put together some of these mythologies, philosophies in place at countless organizations, you know, bought at international club level. One of which I wanted to touch upon was the DFB, German football. I mean, you helped, you were part of a process there where you helped plant a seed, which they're still reaping from. Players and coaches alike. Why was that generation so successful? When the generation was successful, what, what do you mean? Yeah, um, no, it's uh, in Germany. Yeah, in Germany it started, uh, was about 2007, 2008. Yeah, uh, Matthias Sommer was at that time the sports director in the, in the German Federation. And he called me, uh, he wanted to meet me. And he invited me in Frankfurt in the headquarters. And um, he wanted to meet and talk about football. Uh, that was actually the starting point because he was... Of course, uh, they learned from the Euros 2000, where they uh, had a very bad Euros that they, in the years before, they realized that they always the same what they always did, where the surrounding world was developing. So they had to realize we have to do something different now. And we have to wake up. It was a wake-up call. So they changed the infrastructure, but that was um, to, to create at least a foundation. And now was the next step is to develop really the the uh, football coaching part. So when I sit with him in Frankfurt, uh, he mentioned, and it was <laughs> I was it was always also funny last year a journalist referred on this because he was talking with Matthias Sommer. He said, uh, Mr. Lucas, and he said, uh, we Germans, we know physical what we do. We want to stay on the newest uh, uh, development of of the physical part. We also know a little bit about defending, but you do something what I heard the first time. And I did already 15 years with teams for me, uh, gegenpressing, eh, so counterpressing. I did it always because it's a natural behavior of players. And he asked me, what is this? I said, no, very easy. When a nine-year-old kid has the ball, he wants to score a goal. When he loses the ball, he wants to win the ball back directly. It is a natural behavior. Only you have to structure that for all the ages. Only the problem is that the coaches... Um, they see them as mini growing ups, and when they are 11 years old or 10, 11, 12 years old, suddenly they have to they have to train tactical, and uh, tactical means also in the training session. So they stop situations because the coach is seeing that the player will be involved, and he stops situation to coach that instead of let it go because uh, you get a you get um, uh, yeah unconsciously you get the behavior away from the player to win the ball back directly. Uh, so okay, now there was one part, but the main part was that he said, and he went, he went over to me. He said, he said, Mr. Lucas, we Germans, we can't play football. Can you please help us? <laughs> there was a little bit cynical from this, from his side, but at the, but at the same time, same time he had a message in this. Uh, and um, okay, then we discussed about football. He planned one hour. It became three and a half hours. So. And then uh, he asked me, would you be interested to work with us in the Federation to develop a playing style uh, for the national teams? And I mentioned, yeah, I said, okay, but first I have to know what you're doing now to identify uh, uh, what is going good, how do we run good to better, what is underdeveloped, uh, because I don't know which, which direction I have to think now. But uh, that's how I started with, with the teams and went there first with the national team, the U team, to see what I did now. I made an analysis about this. Uh, and then for the next step, I worked with all these uh, national teams. And to be fair to the coaches, like Marco Pazzaioli, like uh, Stefan Freund, Christian Siege, uh, 
they give me all the space to work with the players. Yeah, so they actually said to them, listen, there's Mr. Lucas and he will do all the training sessions and uh, will analyze with you guys. And uh, like Stefan Freund, he said, um, uh, there was the, the generation with Emre Can. He said, uh, um, talking with, with him, uh, every minute I learn more about football. And when I had a coach like him, I, I wouldn't have crushed the ball so much. <laughs> so uh, that doesn't mean that he, he is still the head coach. And it may, the, 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 by saying this, make him made himself also very strong. But it gave me the possibility to do that, what they asked me for. So that was the first step. Important was, and it was a different approach than in other situations, because working with the national teams was that there was a sound going around in Germany from, hey, they do something different. And there's now some guy who's coaching in detail players and the players came back with the clubs and there they get questions from teammates or coaches. Yeah, my head is full of information, but I have to, I want to go back there because that's top level. Okay, so you get a different vibe. Yes. So uh, at the first training camp, what I, what, what I attended with the youth team, there was nobody who wanted to pitch. And I thought, how is that possible? Because the best talents from a certain generation are here and you are able to go there. Uh, and slowly, more and more people came until it was cloudy with coaches and scouts that wanted to pitch, but just with training sessions. The next step was to, um, to bring the knowledge to uh, coaches from the under-15, under-17, under-19, from the Bundesliga clubs who are working in, in the academies. And uh, together with, with that, I worked also with uh, yeah with the coaches who are responsible for the UEFA uh, uh, education programs in the in all the regions in Germany. So you get like an all like like this eh, in, in the country. Uh, so from top down, it went slowly to bottom up, to bottom, and it got good up. So that was a very good process, and uh, where, where I measured that not that that there was more results in European Championships and of course uh, in the World Cup in 2014 but the measurement for me was more that you saw the average age of young players when they uh, entering the first team and uh, with the training session or also playing in the first team the average age went down that was in the beginning I believe 22 23.4 or something it went slowly to to uh, 21 and then uh, 20 till it was 18.9 so and that says something about the education in the whole country and um, yeah, that uh, and you saw it back eh, also different kind of players, eh, more creative players as well, uh, and also players uh, who understand the game better. You could uh, at, at some stage you couldn't in the beginning you couldn't talk about um, game plans with players because they were trained like robots and uh, and a lot of isolated things and all uh, and, uh, on the, not in the context of the game. So um, and that that changed step by step. Yes. So it was an interesting uh, process, and uh, still now, uh, uh, just before our meeting, I had uh, an uh, our meeting to talk about. Uh, I will give two days for the coach educators from the B, A, and Pro in Germany. Uh, two days, so every year I will give uh, three times two days to educate them to develop the context, the content uh, further and further, so that that they can all use it in their trainer licenses. And so that that uh, because what we said in the beginning that you always uh, as trainer coach you are always a student of the game. That doesn't mean that it finished. Eh? The development of um, of uh, better coaching that uh, that there's constantly an evolution in this. Uh, 
So uh, I still, so I still have contact in Germany that I help them with developing football. And it's a funny one too because we spoke a little bit off camera briefly, Marcel, and we've mentioned it a few times in this podcast about organisations going from good to better. I mean. Mm-hmm. After some organizations undergo a period of change, such as the DFB, I'm not necessarily name posting them there now, but why do some organizations stagnate after such a period of evolution and growth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I experienced this when you're in, in, the, in the overall uh, organization like the UEFA or the FIFA or the like here, the AFC. Um, unfortunately, what I see that it is... Uh, um, um, that, that is led by people who didn't develop themselves on that area, but they have to make decisions. So they they are more uh, making decisions based on their knowledge as they did it when they were a coach or coach educator, but they didn't develop in the evolution of football. What I what what for example Raymond Verheyen what I mentioned what what he does and what I what we do together is constantly constantly thinking about the evolution of coaching because players deserve better coaches so that doesn't mean that it stops because you have to evaluate yourself constantly in order to uh, to develop the uh, football coaching philosophy and the good thing is that it is uh, from our side is based on uh, also science eh? and science is very interesting because science when they science when they do a research is a fact <laughs> and they gonna research do research on that fact till this uh, proof that it is not a fact <laughs> so but so and that is happening often in a lot of uh, organizations that it is based on the experience of someone or of some people but Everything in uh, everything in football, at least uh, also in other things, but in other uh, kinds of, of areas. But in football, it starts with knowledge. And there's knowledge you're going to apply in practice. And that is where you're getting more experience. But you have to develop your knowledge constantly. And that is mostly what I see now when there are workshops and everything, that is still uh, a lot of sub- subjectivity, you know. So uh, that so last workshop about elite players. Eh? There's still a lot of things coming. Yeah, they have to still they have to maintain concentration. They have to stay focused. They don't have to get emotional and this kind of things. Yeah, you know it has to do with the coach. And how is your coach model developed? Because when a coach has a lot of football references, then he will coach in the context of the game and doesn't use non-football contextual language and but you see that that in the what i mentioned before in the conservative world of football there's still a lot of such subjectivity and it is still not there and also you know the expertise from different worlds were entering in the football world also this is not helping that doesn't mean that it, that you, that you say no to other expertise, you don't say no to them. Only you have to look from out, out of the football world, out of the football world. You have to look in the other world and take a part with you and transfer it to the football context. Instead of saying to this expertise, "Hey, you coming from this world, eh, the psychology world or uh, um, uh, the, the athletic world? Come in my world and make my players physical fit or mental fit 
Yeah, what does it mean? So what you get is that they coming from a different world in that world with their knowledge about that world, but not about this world. And uh, football coaches and also uh, people who have to make decisions about uh, programs and this, they think, ah, he's very good. Yeah, he's very good in this world. But is it also good in this world? That's something else. And that is first what you have to identify as well. And then you get... um, 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 That's why my football needs to develop himself constantly. Constantly evolution. Because... um, because also the language what they take with them from that world in that world is non-football contextual language. And that's why you get also uh, that coaches going to use words also towards players, but there's no context. You hear it also in, in a lot of interviews. Eh? Mentally, we were not good today. Sorry, but can also be some, um, uh, some language out of some district of uh, China. I don't understand what he's saying. But when you ask a coach in the football context, why do you say that? Uh, you saw it. Like, no, I saw things. I saw football things. So like, you you mean when you yeah when we lost the ball? Say oh, wait a moment. So when you you have the ball as a team, and uh, you lost the ball, but you do couldn't win the ball back directly because your rest of defending was not good organized. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, then analyze football and talk in the football context because. This has nothing to do with mental, you know, because the word on itself is a process from from other things. But when you thinking on thinking, think football, uh, think, and as a player, you can transfer it to players in think transition, think passing, think getting free, think pressing. Then you talking in the context of the game, because with the brains you can think. So use words who are logical, like thinking. Don't use, but that that you have to do put this in the football context. And when you are as a coach from that level, that you have all kinds of football references, also from other worlds, like thinking, and you can use this in the context of the game. You will coach this in the context of the game, and you are at that moment you are a role model for players because they're going to use the same words. And in terms and of funny, in, huh? in terms of a leadership perspective, Marcel, sorry for interrupting. What I'm very interested to hear is that if you will, if you wanted to call this a universal football language, so to speak, transferring this knowledge, I mean, you've managed up at a lot of different organizations ranging from Al Nasir in Dubai to Arsenal to the DFB. I mean, how do you begin to approach that process and what did you learn during that period in terms of managing up? Yeah, that's a good question. So everywhere, everywhere, where I was in the different situations, eh? uh, because there's a federation, there's a club, and in different cultures, and also every club has a culture, every federation has a culture, uh, although a lot of clubs and, uh, and federations will be interesting when you ask them, what is your DNA? And I think that a lot of them can't give an answer, but okay. Um, the first thing, what I always do and, and, and did, was um, analyzing, observating, asking questions, asking questions in different departments and everything to get more uh, more background about the, about the club, about the federation, and identifying, what I said before, identifying what is going really good 
and how you, do you improve this to, that it become better and what is really underdeveloped now and then it's it's also something not to mention what is underdeveloped in sense of this is very bad and we go have to do it in that way no what i'm doing then is creating situations that players that the people getting um, by themselves insights oh yeah this is not good we have to for example by one of the big scores that you mentioned in arsenal for example was also seeing that there is not an, uh, an a common philosophy of uh, playing and developing players uh, it was a little bit because there was uh, three and a half years was no uh, no leadership in football so everybody did did himself so the sport science had a big part in this and uh, and coaches then intend uh, to point on yeah but he said and they did and they mentioned instead of looking to themselves okay but the thing was too that 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 I saw it in uh, in the first one and a half month first month uh, for example two things I saw a team playing a higher U team an older U team uh, in the preseason after. Two weeks in a friendly match, and they were already busy with high press. The same I saw with a younger U team, and 14, also busy with high press. Uh, also doing high press. But what I saw was that the teams on itself didn't know how to defend. So defending in horizontal way, diagonal way, uh, vertical way. So they didn't know how to defend, both independent from each other. So I thought, okay, wait a moment. Defending is a starting point. And a specification of defending is pressing. There's a specification. How can they be busy with the specification when this is not organized? And it's pre-season. Yeah? What is the plan behind it? What's the idea behind it? But okay, there was no plan, but okay. So I take it with me. Didn't talk about it. Just take it with me. Another thing what I recognized was when I was uh, in the academy, and uh, not every team, but two teams, they went out for training, so the head coach, assistant coach, and on the way out, they asking the physical coach, how long do you need for the warm-up? And to the goal player coach, how uh, can I have the goal, the goal players after uh, 30 minutes? I thought, okay, based on what do they as a staff giving a training? What's the core of the training? What is the intention eh, in, in this uh, training session? So also didn't talk about it, just take it with me, okay? So what I did was uh, then uh, that, that I said, okay, we're going to start with uh, technical meetings uh, a month later, uh, the technical meetings. And uh, in the technical meetings, we only talk about the football context uh, to develop with each other, uh, to upgrade and make an evolution about uh, our philosophy. Okay. So you give them also something to have uh, because you want to work together. And I divided in foundation phase in uh, an early youth development phase and late youth development phase. And then I said, okay, and let's start with a, a topic of football and just take something like pressing. <laughs> so, because remembering what I saw. So just take pressing. Uh, we start with this. And oh yeah, and by the way, I said, I want only one presentation. So what I did, implicit implicit learning for coaches was that I created situation because we're going to discuss about pressing and let me say that you are under 13 under 14 under 15 so four teams and you are head coach under 13 then you have to discuss with you with your assistant coach what does pressing mean for us and oh wait a moment we have also to talk with under 14 under 15 because it's only one presentation so you create a situation that you also create communication about something in football 
Now, by doing so, and with the presentations, I could ask questions all the time. And questions in the football action theory. And so based on communication, what is communication then on team level? What, are the, what is then the decision of this player? What is the execution of his decision? So I was constantly using the football action language. And uh, yeah, a few months later, I, I, I introduced also using uh, position, moment, direction, speed. So that means that they take over slowly the way of thinking. So I created constantly situations. And in that process, I wanted to know what do we have in-house? Do we have lead phase coaches in-house for the next year? Because the lead phase coaches, I wanted to work with them four months before the next season would start because I could work with those three to, uh, to make them more clear about the philosophy and also work with them to put this philosophy within a football development plan where everybody speaks the same language and looks at the same things. Uh, where coaches going to design their own training session based on some principles of play. And uh, so, and that was the next phase. The second year was the implementation phase. So step by step. So you have to take people on board because when you directly beginning with, uh, oh, and that's totally wrong, I'm going to show you know something, then you overload a lot of brains and you're losing some people very fast on the road. Let them experience by themselves. And that period of enlightenment, you speak about coaches having to experience it for themselves. I mean, in football, we're often reaching for those low-hanging fruits, for those green shoots, so to speak, Marcel. How long is that mm -hmm. process before coaches begin to see results? Yeah, and how good what I did in the background uh, uh, in, in Arsenal, for example, was that I was, one coach will recognize that he's uh, very eager to learn and uh, he was for the younger team. So I say to him, I say, besides the fact that we do this process in, in, in the club, um, I'm going to guide you that you apply this in your young team. That we have, after one year, that, uh, that we can use this to show... What what can be what can be the process when you're coaching or training in that way that kind of way? Now that was an interesting and uh, interesting journey for him, but also for the players, because suddenly um, I remember that one player he was uh, right uh, centre back, and I was watching a game, and in halftime he comes uh, with a little bit disappointed face from the pitch. And I said, uh, Brian, what is what is the thing? Yeah, I said the opponent was attacking on the left side. And he was in the, as a centre back, and he said, "The position of my body was that I watched the ball, uh, and the opponent passed the ball to the striker, my direct opponent. And because my position of the body was like that, the moment that I had to press him was too late." Say, so, okay, well, what would you change then? Yeah, the position in the field, I have to go uh, a little bit back and open my body that I see the whole pitch. So then would be the moment that I press him or the decision that I make would be much better. So he was talking in the football language. And there was not an opinion from someone, not his opinion, my opinion. It is a fact. And what he was telling about was a fact. Now, and that was interesting to, uh, to hear him because he could self-regulate him in that context because he could analyze himself. And uh, imagine that this player would be coached four years in a row that he has to concentrate in this kind of situations. And I would have, would have asked him the same questions, the same question. Maybe he would have asked, I have to focus myself better. 
What does it mean? I don't know. You see the difference, eh? Huge, huge. And then it gets into self-regulation. And, no, you no. know, a stem on from that, Marcel, for me is, I mean, throughout this podcast and from what you've spoken to me and others now about your career, it's been a tremendous process of constant growth, constant learning. I mean, you've brought that growth and learning to countless others as well. And I don't doubt that there's been a lot of reflections. But over the course of your career, if I had to push you, what would be the one biggest belief that you held that you changed your mind on? Mm, the biggest belief? Yeah. The, the change from Yeah. Um, oh. Can you specify this? Yeah. Uh, through your through through your series of reflections throughout your career, what was the one thing that perhaps led to the biggest change of growth for you? Yeah, do you know what it is? The biggest now, do you know what it is? Because from a younger age on, what I mentioned also as a player, but also as a coach, you see details very fast. And the thing was that I was. Later, when I was getting a little bit older and also coaching uh, uh, players, but also the first time that I gave coaching courses, that coaches asked me for the details that are phenomenal. I want to learn to see through your eyes. And that was for me always a question, how do I want to uh, 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 coach? How do I develop coaches that they're going to see the same things what I'm seeing? Because sometimes I thought, how is it possible that I don't see it? <laughs> and so... Then and then, then you came sometimes in the uh, that you have to convince people. But the question was always with me: How is it possible that I don't see it? And uh, that I learned also from the neuropsychology that that sometimes that 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 you have that you see in the big picture that you see the de details in the big picture, but also the, the the whole context, and that is not for everybody given. And that was a moment that I thought, okay, then it will be good that we structure. Uh, coaching and insights in coaching that we structure this more that people can start out of a uh, structured point point of view you know and um, um, now that was actually the next step to help coaches when you're coaching first you have a structured reference framework eh? an objective reference framework and then when you're coaching in training you have the possibility to coach but coaching has to be in questioning, not explaining, in questioning. And questioning can only be when your references are high. But also, well, where are you positioning related to that what you want to improve? Eh, when you uh, want to improve uh, the build-up from the back from a goal kick, for example, and you're standing still on the, on the side that you're seeing this instead that you're looking out of the view of a, of a, of a player, yeah, then will it be difficult. So when you don't see it, then positioning yourself that you see out of the view of a player. And that you uh, and when you have strong references, then you can ask questions to the player when you see something. Like uh, the first question that I'm asking players when I see something is, uh, okay, stop, what do you see? That's my first question because a player sees also something. And based on that, I'm going to ask questions. And this thing, this this to give your knowledge or what you're seeing and what you're doing unconsciously to make it for yourself more conscious in order that you can transfer it to others. Is that a little bit clear? Yeah, yeah that's very that clear. Is, um, 
that is uh, because I was a long time uh, that I thought, how is it possible that they don't see it? Or when you uh, making strategic plans, then I was already in step five, when my surrounding was still in step one. And maybe my surrounding was much more intelligent, but I didn't understand why then why don't they don't see it? <laughs> that we have to go in that way. But uh, then you yeah you make the steps very fast in your thinking and you saw the details already to go there, uh, but your surrounding needs sometimes time to do it step by step. So that means that I had to learn to structure myself. I had to learn to structure my own thinking. That's very important too to know that language at times can be a compromise between two parties. I mean, very enlightening point. And to tie it all together, Marcel, I mean, you speak on this podcast, I think you've spoken about it twice now, at least, about coaches or about players deserving better coaches. With that being said, where do you see the next evolution in coaching education going? Um, the next evolution in coach education, yeah, there's already, it's, it's already a, a time going on. And I think the last five years, what we developed also with, with Raymond, is, is the evolution what is still in the, in the still baby steps because uh, this has to be spread out over the world. And this has to be in this, what you mentioned before, in this, uh, um, in this, uh, uh, associations in the federations uh, they have to adapt to it and then football will really develop in, in a lot of countries and also uh, worldwide um, and, but that will be that will that will be the, the biggest evolution to understand this because you see that every coach who's following the courses that he experienced success but also what is interesting that a lot of coaches who are following the courses they're coming back in their culture in this club culture or uh, federation culture, and they uh, they face suddenly a lot of things because they coming back in the subjective world with much more knowledge. And then it's the question for them: Okay, how do I implement this in the culture where I'm working? And that that will be interesting. That's also one of the things: How do you um, how do you present yourself in a different culture of a club of a country with the knowledge what you have and you know that your surrounding doesn't have the knowledge so one side is uh, the evolution for football coaching the development and the evolution for football coaching what happened the last 10 years that more um, uh, federations adapting to it or clubs uh, and the other side is that coaches who um who uh, improved themselves, so their personal development, that they learning and also from each other, how do you implement this in a culture where you are surrounded by people who are uh, still uh, stuck in the old way fashion thinking? Yeah? And that this, um, those two things will be very important. And in the evolution of coaching, yeah, that's what I said before, it has to be. This objective reference framework that will be the most important, and that is be accepted and understood. And it, 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 more and more people understand it. But when it is be accepted and understood, that will that would bring the biggest uh, impact in developing football. Marcel, I've really enjoyed. Uh, do, do you know to simplify things as well? Uh, make things as simple as possible but not simpler but to also to simplify things you know that 
Kijk, voetbal is een players game. The game. You can't coach decision making of, 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 of a player because the ball is always free. And it's 360 degrees. And still, you hear a lot of coaching uh, from football actions. But that's not possible. What you can coach in the game is maybe the, maybe the organization. Eh? When you're attacking, is the back four do they pushing up? Or when you're defending, are the strikers coming back in the half spaces? Yes, that's what you can coach. So the training gives you the possibility to coach. But only you can coach only when you have clear a clear vision how to to play football, and also related to the different ages. But the the universal language based on the football action theory is underpending in this age or this age. That will never change, and that is uh, and that is uh, uh, um, when you see, for example, principles of play are mostly intentions of a team. But with training. A lot of principles, like in attacking, for example, the rotating triangles. So now you go to the game. So the stimulus from a player is that he in the game that he has this triangle. But maybe the be- the better option is exploiting the space in the back line of the opponent. But this is not trained this week because we trained this. So you have to ask yourself questions. Okay, how do you simplify this on team level so that an individual player? gets on the lot of stimuli what he gets in a game, making all the time the right decision. You see that more and more people, what, what, what I'm doing already more than 25 years in, is in coaching players on making better decisions, what has to do with better communication. Okay, you hear a lot of things like scanning, awareness, orientation, but they're all parts of communication. The difference is that communication is sending information and receiving information. All the other things is only receiving information. But that's why communication from a higher order than the other things. Now, you're seeing more and more uh, that uh, that uh, video content is appearing in, in social media uh, about players, how, they, how they're looking around and communicating with their surrounding. And I saw when I was at the International Trainer Congress in Dortmund, was also one professor or something out of Norway, I don't know his name, and he said he had all kind of clips, and they're familiar clips, I, I saw them already a lot of times, but, and that is something, two clips, what he had, he said to the coaches, you can, uh, you can maybe you can do something like this in the training. So one clip was from Erling Haaland, in his warm-up, and he was on, on, uh, on the sideline doing fast footwork drills over the line. And by doing this, fast footwork drills, he was doing any fast, he was doing le- right, left, right, left. Okay. That was one example. The other example what he had was uh, Son from Tottenham Hotspur was kicking the ball to a teammate. And the moment that he kicked the ball, he did this and this. Then he received the ball, controlled the ball, passed the ball back, and again, this, this. So, and this professor said for 1,100 coaches, something like this, can you also integrate in the training? Yeah, and this is exactly where it goes wrong. Because he doesn't know the context of the game. Because where is the context? That will be the same that you sitting in a car on a parking spot. Nobody is there. You are the only one, the only car. And you're sitting in this car, you have your steering, and you um, uh, and you have your mirrors, and you're sitting there for 10 minutes, you're doing this. Mirror, mirror, shoulder. Mirror, right shoulder. Mirror, mirror, mirror. In which context? There's no traffic. <laughs> it's the same. So this is what is going wrong. So what, what, because he said this, 
coaches wil, doe dit en de trainen. Ja, en wie doet vast, hoe wil je even doen dit? Om een beetje context. You understand a little bit what I want to say? Yeah, I'm just curious though as to why you think that still exists. I mean, you've experienced it right from day one in terms of your own coaching journey, Marcel, from the, eight, the age of 18, 19, in terms of people isolating these actions within yeah, football, yeah. compartmentalizing yeah. and putting them into boxes. Why do you still think that exists? Because they don't have the starting point is not football. What I said at the beginning, the, 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 let me say, when you know, very simple, when you know the characteristics of the game, you have two things. Uh, there's a certain kind of uh, direction, eh? so there's a right angle, the pitch is a right angle, there's direction, uh, one uh, team is attacking, the other team is defending, all the way, uh, way around, the ball is always free, it's 360 degrees, you have specific rules, now, th- this, is, this is already the logical in itself, that gives you already a, a lot of information how to design a training session, but then something uh, is like this, And then suddenly, yeah, you can train it in which context. At, at the, so at the sideline, doing fast footwork drills and, and doing this with your head. Maybe you're losing your stiff muscles in the neck. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but that's something else. But you, you see it, everything. So um, like a, uh, what, what they also call so-called passing drills, for example. Yeah? And passing drills where there's a square And they kick the ball here, and then bounce the ball back, and then there, bounce the ball back. So and they go round. There is also no direction. You're just going round. There's no direction. Oh, then we go the other side. Okay, then we go the other side. The only thing what you're training there is kicking the ball to each other. That's what you're doing. And kicking is an integral, integral part of passing. But passing is an interaction with your surrounding. For passing, you need an opponent, you need a teammate, uh, spaces, there's a direction. That is passing. Passing, there's an interaction with your surrounding. When there's no interaction, it is not passing, it is kicking. Just kick the ball. Like sprinting can be, doesn't have to be, but sprinting can be an integral part of getting free or pressing. But do you have to train sprinting isolated or can you do this in the context of the game? Like, um, you know that there are four time and space characteristics in an action. It's the position of an action, the moment, the direction, and the speed. This is also chronological. So let me say that you uh, want to get free based on the game situation and your communication with your surrounding. So you go getting free, you make a decision, you go get free in a certain position, on a certain moment, in a certain direction, with a certain speed based on the game situation. Now, when you compare this to sprinting in athletics, then position, moment, direction, speed is totally different because the position is very clear. The moment is also clear because there's someone who starts. Uh, the direction is also clear, straight ahead. And uh, speed is also clear because based on genetics and training. And they, they, don't, they have to do it only one time for 100 meter. But, but this for given facts are totally different in football. And so all those things are very important to realize to know the game. And isolated, the logical structure of football, what we said before, is communication is from the highest order. That's on team level. Based on this communication on team level, a player makes a decision, makes decisions. Yeah? 
So that's based on his gamut side. And then he's going to execute the decision. So execution is from a lower order than the other two. The execution in gymnastics is very important. So in gymnastics, is, is execution of uh, the movement, what they make, very important. But in football, it's totally different. There is decision-making much more important based on the communication. And communication from the highest order because that is on team level. And that uh, and the tool to optimize communication, that are your tactical principles. And based on this uh, communication uh, and this team intentions, the player makes a decision and that is an individual intention. And then he's going to execute the football actions. That's what we call football technique. That's from a lower order. But what you see, there's a lot of isolated training, totally not in the context to contribute communication. Yeah. Amazing. So training, a lot, of, a lot of coaches training gymnastics, actually. For me, that's the case in point, though, Marcel. Let's see. It comes a case time and point where the onus has to be on the coach in terms of doing their due diligence to proliferate between what's good and what's bad information. I think mm -hmm. what you spoke about there is an unbelievable starting point, but I think it's getting this information, this education out more to the masses and how that proliferates, so on and so forth. I don't begin to know. I don't pretend to know how, but that's the challenge in the information age. Yeah, yeah. That is uh, that's the challenge. But uh, okay, first you have to adapt to it and uh, understand it by yourself. Eh? And when you have these objective references, then make then it, uh, it makes uh, analyzing something what is happening much easier, and also to coach it. And also when you discussing with your surrounding, then you will um, what you what you will uh, what you will experience is that by more and more understanding an objective framework. You will experience that the rubbish what what is going on in your in your uh, in your surrounded world. Then you think, okay, boo, I was also one. Eh? So that then uh, people wake up. Eh? From, I, I was also one part of them because I was also coaching. Eh? This is what coaches experience. Eh? Uh, I was also coaching with the passing drill, what I did, uh, I did also around. And then uh, when they didn't uh, uh, were concentrated, I say focus. <laughs> and then they're wondering in the game that it doesn't work. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because you don't train football. Of course. Marcel. Training, I mean... yes. A lot of training exercises, uh, uh, what they're doing in this, this, uh, uh, in this small areas with squares of with with these drills with mannequins and 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 what's it cones and everything yeah call them keep them busy therapy then then it's also something but don't call it mm, very enjoyable hour so i mean it's given me and i know others listening plenty of food for talk going forward but i mean for those listening that are that even slightly bit inspired to thread a similar path to yourself follow you in your journey i mean what advice would you have for them Challenge yourself every day to become a better coach. You can only be growing when you uh, when you challenge yourself or let yourself challenge by others to become better. That's where you get, that's where you're growing. Yeah. So talk often with the person in the mirror and be on a positive way critical to this person in the mirror and reflect with this person in the mirror. 
think that's some fantastic and advice. Avoid, and avoid blaming external factors. Because that is uh, the surviving mechanism when something is not working. Then, uh, uh, then uh, coaches intend to blame external factors. But when you have to blame external factors, you have to first talk with yourself, because maybe you're not good enough. So you have to become better, and then it starts over again, challenging yourself. Ask yourself, how do I become better? And challenge yourself. Let you challenge by others. Then you're growing. having the good reference point to begin. Marcel, I think that's some fantastic advice to close the podcast. It's been terrific having you on. Have a nice weekend, uh, Connor. And um, have a nice day because you have a long day still uh, to go. So, uh, okay. Hopefully you can sleep.